Hi, this is Candy O'Terry. Welcome to the story behind her success. It's been seven years since I've interviewed the woman you are about to meet. She's a licensed occupational therapist, and she's the founder of Love Lane Special Needs Horseback Riding Program, a not-for-profit therapeutic riding program serving disabled children from three years old to young adults. Founded in 1988 at a little stable in Weston, Massachusetts on a narrow country road called, you guessed it, Love Lane, Love Lane was born with a skeleton staff, a couple of horses, and five students per week. Today, Love Lane is a state-of-the-art riding facility in Lincoln, Massachusetts, designed specifically for children with special needs. The program serves 130 students per week with 19 staff members, 197 volunteers, and 12 horses. Check out their website, lovelane.org. After 31 years as executive director and program director, today's guest now serves on the board of Love Lane. As the founding director, she's still an instructor, and she's a consultant. I couldn't wait to catch up with her so that she could share this incredibly inspiring story with you. Her name is Debbie Sabin. And this is her story. Debbie, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming to my house. Thank you. Happy to be here. Take me back to 1988 and the idea of creating this place where children with disabilities could ride horses. How'd you come up with the idea? I'm guessing you've loved horses your whole life. It started, I guess, as a tragedy. In high school, I had some friends in a car accident and one of them died and one of them was in a coma. And when I was in high school, I joined him at his rehab and volunteered in the rec department and saw him go from being in a coma to having to learn how to walk and talk all over again. And that really inspired me to want to be a therapist. And then in college, by mistake, landed a job coaching the Special Olympics equestrian team. Then when I paired the two, it made me go back to graduate school and understand the science behind why did it work so well? Why did I see spinal cord young adult regain some of the feeling and have her doctors come out and say, like, what just what happened? Heck? Yeah. So I went back to grad school to become a therapist, did the therapeutic riding part time while I made money at my more traditional job. And finally, recognized that I couldn't not do the therapeutic riding full time because it was what I waited to do all day. It just kind of kept growing and growing. And and here we are. How did you find Love Lane? So I had taken over a therapeutic riding program in 88 and it shut down and became a mansion. And I knocked on about 30 barn doors and wanted to take my small following of disabled kids and have them host me, and nobody had any interest. And some of it was because we wouldn't bring in a lot of money, and some of it was not an understanding of what I was doing. And honestly, it was the last day I was ready to give up, and I knocked on a barn on Love Lane. Two amazing people owned it and said, talk to this person that rents it. And she has been with Lovelane ever since. She let me use her horses. She took me in and said, I have always wanted to do this with my horses. Here you go. And, and you were off to the races. Yeah. 
there's a very special connection. It's magical, in fact, between the horse and the rider. Beyond the therapeutic piece, what is that magic, that connection between the horse and the rider? Horses are non-confrontational. They're quiet. They're strong. They bring high-impact adrenaline exercise and experience. They bring joy and independence. The whole feeling of the barn, the setting, the horses enable power, joy, independence, positivity, casualness that you bring to this therapy that can't be duplicated in a traditional setting. You're a licensed occupational therapist. Tell us what happens to a child who has a disability when you get them up on a horse. I guess the first thing that happens is a freedom. A lot of the time, the kids we work with are not institutionalized, but are bubbled, captive somehow. Last week, I started a new child. He got on the horse and it was like he was given legs and he was given movement and he was given freedom. You can't take away the power of happiness and you can't cut a person into pieces and say we're doing physical therapy, speech therapy, cognition, and their soul and their joy is such a part of what happens to them on a horse because they're empowered. And there's a lot of medical and technical reasons why therapeutic horseback riding is particularly powerful in different populations in children with neurologic issues, in children on the autistic spectrum, in people with psycho-emotional, social issues. And all of the specific science behind it is very different depending on who you're working with. The guiding light of the whole thing is really that you're taking a traditional therapy and you're packaging it in an inspiring and joyful manner. And what that enables, besides why the therapy is so specific, what it enables is you get to bring out the empowerment and joy of it. And that makes it an addictive therapy, where a lot of therapy is cumbersome. It's a chore. And this is disguised. You get on the horse, you're having fun. And that equals joy, and sometimes that equals an increase in self-confidence, right? Because these kids have been told their whole lives what they can't do. Exactly. You can do it. Of course you can do this. You're blind, so what? Get on a horse and canter and jump. Of course you can do that. You can't walk independently. Darn straight, get on that horse and giddy up. And it's so empowering that kind of the holistic approach to the therapeutic riding can't be beat. Explain to us what happens neurologically between the way that a horse gates and the sensation that a child with a vast disability might experience sitting on the horse. One example is neurologically. You have a child maybe with cerebral palsy that can't walk and you're working on gait training with them or their independence. They get on a horse and the horse's movement duplicates what normal gait feels like from the pelvis up. So what it does is something you cannot do in a clinical setting, is it provides the impact of what typical gait feels like. So 
astride the horse, you have to react with balance reactions, postural adjustments, tone, strength, endurance, balance, all of these things. And the goal is that afterwards, once you have the neurologic imprint of what it feels like, then you're able to provide it more, then you're able to duplicate it. But without that feeling, somebody says, do this, you've never ever experienced it. So you're working on all the pieces to get it done. And it's provided by the horse. You incorporated Love Lane in 1993. And then about 10 years later, you launched a capital campaign. And when you're the founder and the program director of a not-for-profit, you also have to know how to be a fundraiser. You're smiling. How much did you raise and how the heck did you do that? (laughs) I think we wrote the book on how to fundraise incorrectly and get it done successfully. I was not trained, as you said, in development or business or finance. First of all, you get amazing people close to you. You get and keep and stay close and nurture, uh, nurture <laughs> amazing people, which we've had every step of the way. But we had to fundraise about $5 million to build our own home that's owned by Love Lane. And we did it in the course of one year. And the easy part was... I guess maybe that I'm not a fundraising specialist and I can talk all day from experience of what I've seen. It's hard to manufacture that because it's just authentic. It's been a gift to see the difference in people's lives. Describe your therapeutic riding facility in Lincoln, Massachusetts. And for those of you who want to take a look at it online, just go to lovelane.org. It's amazing. It's built specifically for a disabled population. It's got 13 stalls. It's got an indoor arena that's heated because our population needs to be able to continue through the winter. And it has an outdoor ring. It has a trail off it into the woods, which is awesome for our kids that are in wheelchairs or on the autistic spectrum. It has offices. It has a barn manager's apartment. It has a family viewing room, which has become really a haven for families and kids to connect. And it's really home to a lot of people. Kids come, families come, and it becomes really their peaceful, happy, safe place. I'm going to guess that a child that you may have worked with way back in the day with just a couple horses at Love Lane's first location have come back to you all grown up. Well, I have to say, I still have some of those riders. I've got kids now that are adults. A lot of kids have stayed from two till now. And it's the beautiful thing about Love Lane, I think, as a therapist, to not have measurable, attainable goals and then dismiss somebody. To get the opportunity to work with them throughout their trajectory, throughout their development, throughout their passions and their changing goals. And I think for all of us at Love Lane, all the instructors, all the volunteers, to have the opportunity to fall in love with these kids, they're part of our families. I mean, I've been to more graduations and birthday parties (laughs) and my kids babysit for my clients that I call my kids at Love Lane, 
and they become a part of your family and the opportunity to love them and know them that intimately as a medical provider is so precious. Self-confidence changes us all. We find the strength to go outside of our comfort zone, and that's how we succeed, even if it's just a small little step. Do you agree? Absolutely. It's really what drives the therapy. The world is not fair to kids and families with disabilities. They need to fight for their services, the best placements, the best providers. And when they can ride and they can do the sport and they can be independent and they can do something that might defy an expectation and have it be their happy and have it be their sport, it unleashes opportunities way beyond the ring. And that's really what Love Lane wants to do. We don't care if somebody can ride a horse fantastic. We want them to have that unleashed, that power that then they can go into the world and they can do whatever they want. And the beauty in Love Lane and how it's sort of turned into this spiral is their parents see it, their siblings see it, all the volunteers see it. Parents have come back and said, the one thing that Love Lane did was teach me as a parent that my child can do it. And that's open doors for the rest of their lives. And that's what's exceptional, I think. You had mentioned a little earlier your children doing some babysitting for these kids, your other kids, your horseback riding kids. How did motherhood change you? And did it make you a better occupational therapist? I would flip that and I would say, first, I started Love Lane and that taught my parenting. I was blown away at the parents that I worked with and their ability to get the best and the most and believe so strongly in their kids. And I think that me, my children were gifted by Love Lane because I raised my kids at Love Lane. At one point, Love Lane was in my backyard and after lessons, kids came in, used our bathroom, <laughs> sat with us. You know, my kids know sign language. They grew up with other children with all kinds of disabilities. And I think that's what shaped my children's lives. And I thank everybody for helping me raise them. It does take a village, doesn't it? it? Yeah. And that was quite a unique village. Speaking of that, tell me a little bit about your childhood. Where do you come from? Where were you raised? And what was life like in your house? I was raised not too far from here, the next town over. And my father was a pulmonary specialist. And my mom did a lot of our raising. And they were both unbelievable. My Dad, from an early age, took us to Montana, to the Blackfoot Indian Reservation, and we stayed there for three or four months while he helped volunteer to establish a medical facility there. That's a pretty powerful message to grow up with. Yeah, it was find your love, find your passion, and always give back. They were super proud of me when I graduated graduate school and made $5 an hour in a barn because they knew I was following my passion. 
when you create a nonprofit and it blossoms and it grows like Love Lane has, there is a responsibility to make sure that it lives on far beyond you and far beyond your contribution. So you created a succession plan. Tell us about that decision and who's running the place now and how are you feeling about that? It was essential. It was really, let's make this outlive all of us and creating a succession plan and creating a team of people and an organization that is going to thrive forever was instrumental and essential. So now you're the founding director and you're teaching there. So you still get the joy of doing that, but a little less of the hassle. A big time, big time. <laughs> you know, it's fun to not have the responsibility, but still be able to just go in and do the good stuff and leave and let the rest of the business of the operation be carried on. Well, 2022 finds you doing private work with patients as a pediatric occupational therapist. This must be so rewarding as well. And then, of course, you're also doing work as a consultant. It is a new chapter. It's funny to try and figure how do you recreate chapters after you really lived what you felt like you were put here to do. And finding those next things, working with kids at home, I've been doing some consulting, I consulted for a therapeutic writing program, and just kind of really keeping my eyes open for where's that next door? Where's the next thing that's gonna inspire me so much? I think that finding that sweet spot of your talent, you're comfortable, and it really gets you out of the bed in the morning enough to get through the harder part is this particular challenge. And I'm looking forward to the next things that are going to come my way. You've won many awards and many honors, including being featured on CNN in their Heroes segment. And the piece that I did on you won Exceptional Women, another Gracie Allen Award for Best Radio Series in the Nation. And it was based on your story and the story of two other exceptional women. When you look at this life of yours, there must be a deep sense of gratitude that you've been able to do what you love. Completely, completely. And it feels like I was so gifted to have a community, to do what I love, to be able to have my work view and my life view collide so beautifully and raise my kids in a way that they got to see that combination of passion, love, community. It's been a gift to me. And I think that in any nonprofit, you always find that the provider is really the receiver. And I think that has been very acute and very noticeable in my life that I gained. I gained hundredfold whatever I gave. And from everybody, from the students, the donors, my peers at Love Lane, you know, everybody that touched it. And I was lucky. Talk to a young mom or a young dad who is listening to this program and her son or her daughter has a spinal injury. Maybe they've got some sort of a degenerative disease, a birth defect. Maybe they're autistic. Any words of wisdom that you can share with that mom or dad? I would say your child could do more than you think. That as a parent, unleashing all of their possibilities, finding people that believe in what they can do and what they're capable of, 
accepting them where they are and just finding joy in where they are as people and their growth and enjoying the ride. It's difference isn't bad. Difference is gifts to them. It's gift to you and everybody that touches your lives. The next three questions I ask everybody who sits where you are. The first one is when an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? The times that I've done it the best, it's when I've had purpose in mind. It's when I've had my eye on the ball and know that I'm getting through a challenging time for a greater purpose, a greater good. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? It can be personal. It can be professional. Maybe it's a mantra for you. Do a good deed every day. You know, I think that my parents raised us with, you do a mitzvah, you do something good, and it comes back at you. Final question. At this moment and in this chapter of your life, and we all define success very differently, what does success mean to you? I think love is what it's all about. That's it. So simple and so true. Words of wisdom from today's guest, Debbie Sabin. And that's the story behind her success for this week. To find out more or to donate to Love Lane Therapeutic Riding Program, just go to lovelane.org. And my thanks to Debbie for sharing her story with us today. I am always on the lookout for women to profile. So if you know someone I should interview, will you please let me know? Just go to my website, candyoterry.com. That's candy with a Y, O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. Give the show a follow on your favorite podcast platform if you would be so kind and leave a review as well. I'll have a new inspiring story for you next week. When we share our stories, no matter where we are in this great big world, we provide a roadmap toward success. So what's your story? I can't wait to hear it.